0: I'm not a historian. I have no idea what it looks like. Which one is it? Let me choose. Thank you, Doctor. Definitely as the cup of the King of Kings. The title of this uh, uh, talk today is about choices. He chose poorly, all right, so (laughs) I'm sure you know this movie, it's an old one. This is when Han Solo was younger, Han Solo Solo was younger, but um, uh, so it's about choices because life is full of them, right? Uh, Now I must admit we are very blessed in the Western Hemisphere. Right? especially in Canada, in a country where uh, we are given many choices. So we cannot really say, I have no choice in the matter. Yes, we do. Right. Um, sometimes when we say no choices in the matter, it's just because the choices are limited, or the choices available are not the ideal. But there are choices, right? Choices from our careers. For many of you, there's a choice to do uh, what career you want to choose. Choices of a spouse. Uh, choices of um, even the, the menu, <laughs> you have a choice in menu, and also, actually, you have a choice to respond to things, right? Emotionally respond to things. You could choose to be angry, or you could choose to be forgiving. You could choose to be uh, redemptive, or you could choose to be bitter. We all have choices. There's no such thing as, oh, we're just forced in the matter and we have no choice. No. We are very blessed to be in this part of the world that we are given these choices. And you know what? Praise God for that, right? We, you, there's also, you get to choose uh, which religion you want, right? Um, I'm like, uh, I attended a course one time in the um, region college entitled Choose Your Religion, right? <laughs> find the best one for you, right? And it was just an exploration of all the religions out there, the popular ones. Uh, It was taught by John Stackos, my mentor. And uh, he was uh, just a, it's just a course uh, to tell tell us, you see, like uh, all these religions address certain things, uh, needs in our lives, and therefore, it's really up to us to choose. So this morning, on that theme and trajectory of choice, I just want to put it out there, and this is what I want to unpack this morning, is this one sentence. Choosing to endure in God's covenant. Now, this is for those who have received and accepted Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. For those of you who have, and call yourself a child of God, choosing to endure in God's covenant life is the best choice you will ever make in your life. In other words, choosing to hold fast, to remain in Him, is the best choice you will ever make in your life. Now, for those who may not know Jesus Christ and may not have received Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, and you're continuing your journey and exploring Christianity as yourself for yourself, I want to just try to, try to commend to you as well that choosing Jesus, the new covenant, is the best choice you will ever make in your life. Choosing Jesus, the new covenant, choosing Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior is the best choice you'll ever make in your life. Yes, better than your spouse, better than your career, better than anything. Choosing Jesus is your best choice that you'll ever make in your life. (laughs) But before we begin, we should do a quick review as to where we came from. Now, uh, I know that some of you go, oh, review again? It will stop, (laughs) all right? We will stop reviewing when we hit midpoint of Deuteronomy and that's around chapter 15. But at this point, we'll just still do a review so that just to refresh our memory because this is a long journey in Deuteronomy and we kind of need a refresh. So, a little uh, review of chapters 1 to 4. What was chapters 1 to 4 about? Chapters 1 to 4 was about this term myopia, short-sightedness. And I said that we will always be short-sighted and lose out on witnessing or living out the biggest life fulfilling blowing your mind adventure that God has in store for you and I if we don't have faith and trust in Him. Short-sightedness is all about not having faith or trust in God. You see, the Israelites, uh, the first generation, when they approached uh, uh, um, their promised land, they freaked out. They were more concerned about themselves, their safety, their personal security. And they lost sight of God's promise. They lost the long game in the in the in God's covenant. And so they freaked out and they lost faith and trust in God. And what did that happen? God threw them into a 40-year hiatus, right? And they wandered and wandered for 40 years. They missed out. They died out. They missed out the the blow-your-mind promise of this life that God has promised for them. Now, in chapter five to seven, we talked about obeying commandments, but it's not about obeying to do and not to do, right? It's about who we are. It's not about like, you know, do this and do not and do this. It's just that you won't do it because that's not who you are. You won't do it because you're God's child. It's not in you to do stuff like that. Envy, greed, lust, selfishness. Well, I don't have to say don't, do, not, and do. It's because that's not who you are anyway. You naturally won't. If you allow the the Holy Spirit to continue to work in you, to continue to eradicate the old pieces of Egypt that you may have in your life, now this old pieces of Egypt could be selfishness, greed, lies, whatever, right? As long as we continue to allow the Holy Spirit to purge that, you will actually naturally just fulfill those command commandments. Agree? The Holy Spirit's in you. You should be able to allow Jesus to impress His identity on you, and therefore. It's not so much of do not and do's, it's more about just living out who you are. Alright, next one is about biting the hand. Remember that, that, that uh, the movie? Well, biting the hand is all about just a, like, not acknowledging God in all our things, like in everything that we, is in our life. We are a very blessed bunch in Canada. Uh, some of you are from mainland China, some of you are from Taiwan, some of you are from the areas where there's a lot of a sense of oppression. But here in Canada, here in this side of the world, you are very, we are very blessed to have these open opportunities where we can do things. And then the problem with that though, with that, uh, with that type of um, opportunity, with all those choices and the, uh, like, the stuff in front of us, is that we sometimes take it for granted that God had nothing to do with it. But wait, God provided for you to be here. God enabled you to be here in Canada. God enabled you to arrive here at this church and God enabled you to be the person that you are. God gave you all the skills and the capacities to do what you can do. And so there's a tendency to bite the hand because we would go, no, it's all us. I did it myself, it's all me, I work for it. This stuff that I have, it's all me. And then we lose sight of that God actually provided for all, all of us. And I neglected to mention, like a very practical way of always remembering, putting God first in everything is to keep a journal. I don't know that some of you, you some of you may be keeping a journal. I keep a journal called Google Keep. It's a very handy one, right? Because then you could take pictures or you know write a quick thing and then send it into the cloud, and there you go, right? But the reason why I do that is because you could pin it, you could flag it, you could put a little keyword on it, so that any time I feel a little bit, I don't know, like personally, uh, the Holy Spirit convicts me and say, you know, you're feeling a, li- you're a little envious right now of this person. I quickly type in envy. And then what pops up? All the stories that, would, uh, that happened in my life that God actually like, taught me or provided for me, reminding me that, you know what, if God did this, why are you envious of, of the other person? Continuing to teach me contentment and, just, uh, and respond appropriately. You You follow? It's, it's so important to keep something, a record, of how God is actually interacting in your life. Because then, you won't have this feeling of, God's not here. God's not in my life, you know. There are moments when we'll feel that God has abandoned us. But he really never did. So, let's move on. And then, in chapter 10, we concluded that in, that our discipleship, our covenant life in Jesus, has these rules of engagement. And uh, these rules is not so much to say that, you know, again, the do's and do nots. No, these rules of engagement is all about our ultimate destination. So it's like, and our ultimate destination is the promised land. So remember I gave you a a metaphor and it was like Google Maps. Who has use Google Maps? You know, you just type in the destination. Okay, fine. If you're an iPhone person, the iMaps or whatever you call it, right? The navigation. So you type in the navigation and what happens is they give you the rules to get there. Remember, like, uh, or, you know, if you want to get fit, there's rules to get there. Uh, If you want to get your CPA, there's rules to get there, right? Everything has rules. Our food safe has rules to get there. Well, the question was for us last week was, do you want to go to the promised land? Do you want to end there? Because there are rules to get there, right? However, at the same time, many of us know that we have fallen short. We have sometimes went off course, sometimes the life distracts us, right? Uh, Just like Google Maps, they oh man, there's a detour, right? Or there's a construction in the front. What happens? We veer off. But by the grace of God, (laughs) recalculate, right? Like By the grace of God, God gives us a new path to continue on the journey towards the promised land. He gives us this recalculation. He says, look, yes, I know that you fall, fall short. Yes, I know that you veered away. But look, come back to me, and I'll show you another way to get there. Another set of rules, another like set of rules to get there, a guide. And ultimately, those set of rules are just following Jesus. Isn't that great? Very simple, follow Jesus. All right, so now move into today's passage. and today's passage, we're going to do the similar approach like every other passage this morning, uh, like uh, from the previous ones. We're going to look at the repeated themes. We're going to focus on repeated themes because if you're doing a Bible study on the Old Testament, you got to remember, these guys are Jews, right? Right? They're Israelites. They write in Jewish ways, right? They think in Jewish ways. And therefore, we got to just remember that, in that they are more circular than straightforward, like linear, I think uh, uh, some of you who are computer programs know what I mean, right? So they're, they're more they're more into this uh, circular um, way of thinking. And so for us, the best way to get into their mindset is to actually look for repeated themes and repeated words. And here in chapter eleven, if you could all turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter eleven, you would notice that in chapter eleven there are three themes or phrases that are repeated often in this chapter, and that is commands children and love the lord your god let me say that again commands children and love the lord your god so if you ever if you're with me following me with me with your bible if you if we're reading passages in, a, in a, this morning and you see these phrases highlight it you know just for your reference but it's commands children and love the lord your god and interestingly enough if you like highlight or bolded And uh, you would notice that, actually, Moses does a really interesting thing. He uses these phrases to to split up this chapter into three sections, okay? It's almost like these three words, these phrases, are bookends, bookmarks, right? Like, divide this one in one section, divide that. So that's how we're going to read it. We're going to split it up into three sections, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to chapter 11, verse 1 to 7. Here we go. Love the Lord your God and keep his requirements, his decrees, his laws, and his commands always. Remember today that your children were not the ones who saw and experienced the discipline of the Lord your God, his majesty, his mighty hand, his outstretched arm, the signs he performed, and the things he did in the heart of Egypt, both to the pharaoh king of Egypt and to his whole country, what he did to the Egyptian army, to its horses and chariots, how he overwhelmed them with the waters of the Red Sea as they were pursuing you, and how the Lord brought lasting ruin on them, it was not your children who saw what he did for you in the wilderness until you arrived at this place. And what he did at, uh, to Dathan and Abiram, sons of Eliab and Reubenite, when the earth opened its mouth right in the middle of all Israel and swallowed them up with their households, their tents and every living thing that belonged to them, that was a sight, right? But it was your own eyes that saw all of these great things the Lord has done. Folks, we are not the Israelites, agree? For us men, just look down. We're not. It's a joke. None of you got it. Okay. Anyway. Uh, (laughs) All right. (laughs) Finally. Okay. That did not work. All right. For we are not the Israelites. We never witnessed God's mighty works that Moses listed. Agree? We didn't see the parting of the Red Sea, we didn't see the clouds and pillars of fire, we did not witness the judgment of Dathan and Abiram, where literally the ground opened and swallowed them up. Now that's a sight, think about it, you were probably, let's say you were part of the, the Dathan tribe or the Abiram tribe and then you ended up going to the bathroom, right, that day and suddenly, phoom, you're in the ground, it's like, how precise can you be, right, anyway, now I've created an image for you guys. Try to erase it, try to erase it, okay? Um, so we are, in, so therefore you could actually agree with me probably that you could call ourselves the children that Moses is identifying, right? We are the children who have not seen these things. We are in fact the children whom God through Moses is referring to by saying that, hey, like these, the children did not see these things, Israelites, so what are you supposed to do? So then if we are God's children and we've never seen all these mighty acts, who is our best reference then? Who are we to look up to? Who are we to follow? Who are we to follow that follow all the commandments? Who are we to follow who qualifies as the son of God, the child of God? Who are we to follow the chosen one of God? Because the Israelites were all those titles. They had all those titles. Now, who are we to do that? Who are we to follow? Well, if you know, if you're following along and you know, and you've been a Christian long enough. He's Jesus, right? Jesus is the true Israel. Jesus is the true son of God. Jesus is the true child chosen of God that we look up to and that we follow because like we experience the mighty acts of God through Jesus. Each individual in this room who has been baptized and received Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior has experienced a mighty act from God. Agree? I hope so. Because uh, you would never have chosen Jesus Never have chosen to follow him if you never had an experience that was divinely for you personally to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. The mighty act of God made you to do that, helped you to do that, realized and made you feel the love and passion he has for you. Then you said, wow, I'm floored. Yes, I choose you, Jesus, and I'm going to be baptized and follow you to the end. Now. This might actually make you reflect. And I'm going to leave that with you. But it, it's a good time to you, there's a try to find a moment and place in your life and in your time this week to maybe re-enact that, to try to find that again. Because all of us, I know all of you, the reason why you're here is because you had a, a mighty act of God that you experienced in your life. Maybe it's in your journal right now. Try to find it. Or put it down, start writing out, and laying out all the things that happened that day that you experienced, or even that week. Because if you don't, and you're here, then you really have to ask yourself, like, why am I here? Why did I choose Jesus in the first place? Because again, it's a choice. There's a choice. Okay, anyway. So we have experienced this mighty act of God, and we are through Jesus. And therefore, Jesus is our guide. Jesus is the son of the true Israel. Jesus is the one that God told through Moses, to told the Israelites, look, this is the, this is the one who followed the commands, and this is the one we have to follow. And so this is no, and to no surprise. In John, what did Jesus say to the disciples? If you love me, obey my commands. If you love me, Obey my commands. And Jesus' command is love your neighbor as yourself and love God as your Love God as well with with all your all. Okay, let's move on to verse eight. Read along with me if you have your Bibles. Observe therefore all the commands I am giving you today so that you may have the strength to go in and take over the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. And so that you may live long in the land the Lord swore to your ancestors, to give to them and their descendants. A land flowing with milk and honey. The land you are entering to take over is not like the land of Egypt, from which you have come, where you have planted your seed and irrigated it by foot, as in a vegetable garden. But the land you are crossing the Jordan to take possession of is a land of mountains and valleys that drinks rain from the heaven. It is a land the Lord your God cares for. The eyes of the Lord your God are continually on it from the beginning of the year to its end. Sorry, to its end. Folks, living a covenant life is tough, it could be tough, it could be seen as tough. Uh, like uh, I've visited many business professionals uh, uh, during my uh, ministry in downtown, and constantly uh, I, they, they tell me that, you know, saying it, <laughs> it's far easier to say it than it is to do it. Because when you look at the task as a Christian, think about it. You have to be self-conscious of everything, you have to reflect. I'm already telling you to do a journal, <laughs> so that's an additional work there. You need to be devoted to read your Bible, read scripture. But also you face reality, right? At work, right? Your coworkers and have cliques that you may not want to join but you feel left out, right? You feel that your boss is like not doing something ethical but for some like but you're at their mercy sometimes. You know, it's just so hard. The task right in front is difficult. And uh, and so you go, wow, it's like, a, how am I going to get through this Christian life? Because I really want to. I love Jesus and I, and I want to obey his commands. How can we remain in the covenant light and re- reap that end game of the promised land, the eternal flourishing life with God? Aren't we going to run out of gas by then? <laughs> right? Think about it. We might just collapse before we even reach the finish, finish line. Interestingly, God says something that should raise our eyebrows through Moses. Notice what he says through um, Moses. He says this, Observe, therefore, all the commands I am giving you today so that you may have strength. Interesting, right? The commands give you strength. Observe the commands I am giving you today so that you may have strength. See, for the, la- for the Israelites, the land is their covenant life that provides the eternal flourishing in God's presence. So how does keeping the commands give them strength? How does keeping commands for us, how, does we, how do we, by keeping commands, give us strength? Well, best example is my daughter. I'll explain. Social scientists and a lot of the uh, people like in the medical field and psychologists would actually tell you that kids need clarity. If they do not have clarity, they will not flourish. In fact, they will have anxiety, confusion, depression, and they get anxious and burdened. They will not flourish. In fact, it's not freedom for them, right? Clarity is actually the best way to do it, and that goes for our daughter completely. She needs clarity. She needs A, B, right? How to get there, how to end there, right? Tell me where I'm going, right? That type of day. Or else she'll just be in a mess. She'll, like, one time when she was only two, she was running in circles and had no idea why she was doing that. (laughs) Right, And she just kept uh, and tying herself out. It was great for us because she was tying herself out. But I could sense the confusion and the anxiety that she was having. So there's no freedom in that. God's commands is like that. God's commands gives us A, B. This is how you get there. This is how you're going to go. It's clear. It helps you. And that should give us relief, right? There was a, a, um, a gold cast video, uh, um, and one of the uh, speakers was saying, you know, imagine yourself walking down a hallway. So then uh, I actually used this analogy with, uh, with Annabelle too when we were going to the dentist. Imagine you're walking down in a hallway and there were like tons of doors, right? And you have all these choices in front of you. Would you stay in the hallway and just stay there, or would you choose a door? The hallway is dark, chaotic, there's nothing there, barren, right? But you got all these choices. But then, would you take one? Would you want to remain in the hallway, or would you just rather go through one door? And if you were like Annabelle, my daughter, she would actually tell me, Daddy, I actually want to one door. Because, you know, we were going through this dark hallway, and I'd go, No, I want to go into one door. I just want to make a choice. You get it? So for us, obeying God's commands is not so much of a burden. Actually, it gives us strength. It gives us clarity. It gives us a time, a destination of where we can go. And the ultimate destination is this land full of rain, refreshment, things that just gives us life. That's our goal. So, second, how else is following God's commands going to give us strength? Well, Moses says, God through Moses says that like, uh, God's presence is tangible. You would feel God's presence as you follow God's commands. And I like to use this as an example. Ever heard of a jet stream? You know, when you're flying, especially long-haul flights, if you're going to China or ever? And then suddenly the pilot goes on the radio before you take off. Hey, folks, we're we're very fortunate to hit a jet stream, and so then our trip is cut down by an hour. <sighs> right? And remember? You know, you heard those? You know, we're cut down like our trip is now shortened, and everybody cheers. Why? It's because once you're on the jet stream, you're on the current, and the airplane doesn't have to work that hard, and it gets there faster, right? So you're kind of like in step with that current, in step with the Spirit. Get it? How do you like that, eh? I just slipped that one in. All right, so if we keep in God's commands, right, we are actually stepping into the Holy Spirit's current. He's walking that way, he's already knowing the path, And so if we find it really hard and burdensome to follow in a Christian life and to obey his commands and everything, all we have to do is remember, when we follow, we're stepping actually into his current. And hence Jesus said, my yoke is easy. Why? It's because you are coming now into that current, that jet stream. And now it's a lot easier. You follow? So what is it? Clarity, but also keeping in step with the spirit. You're now aligning with the Holy Spirit's current, and he'll take us there a lot easier. So don't see that. And so the God says, don't see the commands as burdensome. Don't see the yoke as heavy. See it as life-giving, as, a, as clarifying the chaos and just giving clarity and also keeping a step with my spirit. So let's move on. Verse 13. So if you faithfully obey the commands I am giving you today to love the Lord your God, again, you hear it? it's repeated, and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rain, so that you may gather in your grain new wine and olive oil. Now, folks, remember, just a little tip of information here. Why is God describing this land so vividly? It's because the Israelites came from where? The desert, right? Dry, stale, lots of death. Like, I don't know if you've ever seen a, uh, a cartoon, one of those Bugs Bunny cartoons, but you know how they describe the desert, there's a lot of bones out there, it dead, it's dead, It's there's no water, you know, stuff like that. They came from there, okay? So, of course, God will describe salvation as something as springs, autumn, and rain, grain, new wine, and olive oil. That's their type of salvation, and I'm sure a lot of us, we want that too in our life. Sometimes we see our life as very stale, and dead, and dry, crusty, right? We do want that, uh, like that olive oil and that spring rains. So I, go, I move on. 15, I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle and you will eat and be satisfied. Be careful or you will be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you, and he will shut up the heavens so that it will not rain, and the ground will yield no produce. And you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, here we are again, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates, so that your days and the days of your children may be many in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, as many as the days that the heavens are above the earth." See, there's a choice in this, in this section. First, again, God reminds, look at how good the promised land is, your salvation, the promised land, this life, this eternal flourishing life in God's presence. It is like you coming from the desert, into Eden. It's this salvation story. How many of you can say that when you receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, there was this massive turning point? That from, there's, there's from this dry, crusty desert of death and staleness and nowhere and chaos, to suddenly, kuh, Eden. To this, finally there's a goal, there's a purpose. And it's like, it's refreshing, there's rain and there's Oil and olive oil and wine, things that, that feels like that. That is salvation, folks. That is, a, that is a, a, the, rec- the receiving of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You all have your own personal experience that is uniquely yours in that. I have mine. You have yours. Rosanna has hers. Each one of you have that moment, that turning point. We believe that. And that's why you're baptized. You claim that, you testify that, you tell the world about it. Kiefer, you told the world about it in your baptism. That moment. So you have a choice though, the Lord says, because you're, because he knows that we are easily enticed by, you know, wow, there's plenty now, and then we start to fall away. So then there's this choice to be made. Every day we encounter choices, and there will always be at least one that involves whether to choose to love God with all our heart and with all our soul, and obey his commands or choose to go our own way. And God says, bluntly, that if you do, you will hit a detour, you'll hit a snag, you'll hit your gravel pits, you'll hit muds, you'll uh, you end up recalculing all times, <laughs> at all times, right? And that's why he gave this vivid, vivid um, example of saying that, look, you are going to, uh, it's going to as if I shut up the heavens. It's going to mean like it's going to be barren again. So, therefore, the choice is yours: continue to follow and remain in the current of the Holy Spirit, or to go on your way and then suddenly realize, "Oh man, that, I'm back at where I'm started again, back in the perishing and back in the the, um, the barren land that I'm in." So that's why uh, in the commentary that I've recommended to some of you uh, to read along with us in the sermon series, David Block, the author, said this, quote, the covenant established by Christ involves a special relationship which demands constant investment of energy and devotion. The options open to the Israelites, blessing and curse, are open to us. You agree? We are uh, It's open to us. The choice is either to remain in the current or be out of it. But he goes on, how we experience them depends on our covenant commitment to Christ demonstrated by active obedience. Like Gary said in, the, in his... Um, words before his uh, song, he said that uh, love is intentional, and I agree. Don't you agree? Love is intentional, and if we were to love Jesus, it's intentional. And it takes work, right? It takes a uh, stamina, work and endurance. Why? Um, it's not because, like, uh, I'm just telling you. It's not because, oh, you know, it like, keeps it through. No, I just joined a basketball league, and the game is tonight <laughs> at 5 o'clock. And you know how long it's been since I played basketball? 25 freaking years, <laughs> right? I, just, I did a count, and I'm like, oh, never ever do a count ever again, John. <laughs> so, but, you know, so then, what do I have to do? Well, back then when I did basketball in high school, we all had talked about muscle memory. Because when you get the ball and you shoot, it has to be natural, right? So then, I, here I am, lying on the ground, doing these drills with the basketball, trying to get my muscle memory again. Because I'm like, oh man, this has been so long right? That type of thing. Why do you want to keep working on it? It's because you want to be able to keep in step with the spirit. Is when whenever a choice comes your way, it's not going to be in a, I don't know what to do. It's going to be, I know what to do. You get it? It's like a, any obstacle, any, like, any ball thrown your way. Any like seven foot uh, like, uh, blocker or yeah, six foot point guard, okay, I'm using basketball analogy, but you know what I mean. Anything that life throws your way, you instantly know because you have your muscle memory. Boom, I know exactly what I'm gonna do to remain and keep in step with the spirit. You follow? And that is why I agree with Gary. It is intentional. It's not just because I'm telling you, or like I'm a parent, that, like or God, so work on it. No, it's because it's more for your own benefit. It's muscle, muscle memory. You could call it faith memory where you just uh, as more as we practice in it, just get in tune and get in tune, whether through fasting, praying, meditations, or reading the Bible, or practicing it through church practices or ministry, we will get that. And then when um, life throws some curveball our way, and then we no, no longer would say, I don't know. We actually say, yeah, I do know what to do. Let's move on. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 22 to 28. So if you carefully observe all these commands, I am giving you to follow, to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to hold fast to him, then the Lord will drive out all these nations before you, and you will dispossess nations larger and stronger than you. Every place where you set your foot will be yours. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the Euphrates River to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you, the Lord your God, as he promised you, will put the terror and fear of you on the whole land wherever you go. See, I am getting before you today a blessing and a curse, The blessing if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I am giving you today, the curse if you disobey the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from, them, turn from the way that I commanded you today by following other gods which you have not known. See, again, it's the current. And God is actually describing what this current can do for you. If we are in step with the Holy Spirit, if we put ourselves into the current, follow his commands, and keep in step with the Spirit, like Paul says, nothing can stand your way. Nothing. Right? Your choices will no longer be confusing. You will not fall away. Just remain in the current and continue to face Whatever giants you face in life, whatever obstacles, whatever temptations, whatever enticements, Whatever things that come your way, whether it be relationship uh, issues, whether it be family, whether it be your job, when it comes your way, whether it be your school studies, he says, if, as long as you remain in your, the Holy Spirit's current, you can face these. And no giant can stand against you, even if they're taller than you, he says. Isn't that amazing? So basically, he's saying this, I am not going to, like, like this is really not about God's cursing, taking an active approach of cursing you. I'm saying this, it's more about just us going out side of the current, rather than in. If we go outside of the current, then you'll hit a jet stream that's going the opposite way. And then then, then you won't reach Hong Kong in a matter of, you know, in that time frame that you need to be in, right? You can't make it to that Chinese New Year dinner on time. But when you, <laughs> sorry, baby. But when you go and, and hit it on a jet stream, on the and you follow the Holy Spirit, then it'll be a lot easier. Then you can face anything in your way. And so I want to close with this. The passage that rings a bell with me whenever I read this passage here, and when I read it, and I was preparing this sermon for you, is this passage in John 15. Some of you may know it. Uh, quite familiar with it because you probably memorized it in other contexts. Jesus goes and says this to his disciples. Remain in me as I also remain in you. Now, this word remain is about holding fast. It's the same word to, uh, to hold fast. Hold fast in me and I will hold fast in you. What did they, God say to do to the Israelites in Deuteronomy? Hold fast. Hold fast. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you hold fast, remain in me, and my words hold fast in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Hold fast. Remain in Jesus and Jesus remains in you. Remain in that current and Jesus will remain in you. Don't and he won't be in you. It's pretty logical, right? And don't remain in him, there will be no fruit. Now, sometimes we totally lose sight of what fruit really means. We tend to go, like, spiritualize it way out there, right? But really, what is fruit? Fruit is about to live an eternal, flourishing life in God's presence, the promised land, folks. Don't take it to like fruit as in ministry or fruit as in, you know, like uh, being able to do stuff. No, fruit is actually the ultimate covenant promise, the promised land. Bearing fruit means you are experiencing the promised land. You will bear fruit when you're in the promised land. Don't worry about that, right? But you are going to have this eternal, flourishing life a tangible experience of the Holy Spirit in you that is going to give you the wow factor. You follow? That fruit, folks. Not, it's nothing about to-do tasks and stuff like that that, uh, that some of you may have been accustomed to. The fruit is about this flourishing life that you're gonna be given. And that's why Jesus kept on saying, hold fast to me, remain in me, don't worry about it. Keep in the current and you'll face these giants and they'll be nothing. Choose me. Choose to remain in me. Fruit to have an experience with God. Fruit to give you freedom to be who God intended you to be. You were created to be somebody really big for God. You were were created with a purpose, each of you. And God wants you to have the freedom to unleash it. And all he wants you to do is remain in him. Fruit is about being in the presence of God to experience that flourishing life. So to remain in Jesus or to go our own way is the choice of our every day. And it's a simple one, but it's a choice. Every time we wake up, we should actually say to ourselves, I choose Jesus today. Then at the end of the day, I chose Jesus today. Make that as a simple prayer. And just remind ourselves to be rooted in him, to hold fast in Jesus. You may be experiencing some uh, obstacles today. You may be hitting detours. You may be hitting things that are like, you know the ultimate destiny is there, but things are just really rocky and rough. Hold fast to Jesus. And he will give you fruit. Amen?